you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Today, we're going to talk about sharing your faith. Christians call this your testimony. And I really believe that most people who are Christians really want to be good at sharing their testimony. Most people that don't share their testimony, they don't share it because they've never been trained how to do it. So step three of our basic training course, the course that we teach people how to go deep with Jesus and go deep with others, step three, we teach you how to share your testimony. I also think that there's a percentage of people, they've been trained to do it, but let's just be honest, they're scared about it. And if that's you, today's sermon is for you. But unfortunately, there's a third group of people, they have been trained to do it, they kind of know what to do, and they they know that they should do it, but they just decide, you know what, I'm not going to do it no matter what. In fact, you can't make me do it. I'm, uh, you know, you can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. You can't make me do it. And for people like that, I hope that today's sermon makes you so uncomfortable that you start to think twice about your relationship with Jesus. Because when you get to the point where you're saying, hey, I know I'm supposed to do something. I know Jesus wants me to do something, but I'm not going to do it. We have some spiritual problems. So today's all about sharing your story. Today's all about sharing your testimony, and I am absolutely convinced every believer, everyone on planet Earth, I don't need to know your story, I'm absolutely convinced if Jesus has saved you, he's given you an epic testimony. And I'm also convinced of this, and this is what we're going to talk about today. There are three parts to an epic testimony. You see these three parts very clearly from the Bible today in John chapter 1, Every one of us that have a testimony, I believe it's epic, and every epic testimony has these three parts. Now, every story has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. In our testimony, the beginning is who we were before Jesus saved us. The middle is what happened when Jesus saved us. And notice my language, Jesus saved me, I didn't do this for myself. And then the end is what my life is like now. The reason why I call this epic is because the greatest stories, think about it for just a second, the greatest books that you've ever read, the greatest movies that you've ever watched, while you're watching this story unfold, you start to place yourself in the middle of the scenery, right? You start to think about how you would react or what this was like if this was you. The greatest stories are the kind of stories that draw you in. And today, a guy tells a story about his faith. This guy's name is John the Baptist, and you see an epic testimony. Before we get to John's testimony, I just want to caution you, because I've met plenty of Christians like this that say, Jeff, I just grew up in a Christian house hearing about Jesus. I, I wasn't an drug dealer. I wasn't a prostitute. I wasn't a serial killer. Jesus saved me when I was younger, and I don't remember a whole lot of what life was like before Jesus, and I say, hallelujah. That's the way that it's supposed to go. Sometimes those people say, I wish I had the drug dealer, prostitute, uh, serial murder, all in the same person uh, testimony, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, the, that's, that's not the norm. 
Jesus does save, can save people like that, does save people like that, but the fact that you came to Jesus young in life, that is an epic testimony because every time God hits the start button on the human soul, every time God redoes the human heart, that is a miracle. And I don't want you to ever think your story is any less epic, any less miraculous than somebody else just because you came to faith in Jesus early on in life. Listen to a guy who, no exaggeration, while he was still in the womb, knew who Jesus was and who loved Jesus. This is the story of John the Baptist. We're reading in John, the book of John, chapter 1. By the way, the guy who writes the book of John, no relation to John the Baptist, just happened to have the same first name. One of them is John the author. The other one is John the Baptist, or John A and John B. John the author talks about John B today. And here's what he says, starting in verse 19 of, verse, of chapter 1. He says, there was a te- uh, this is John's testimony. When, he, or when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? He didn't deny it, but he confessed, I am not the Messiah. Now, I probably should pause for just a second. When the Bible says he didn't deny it, that means that there is kind of a warrant out for John's arrest, so to speak. Air quotes, warrant. People are hearing about this guy. The religious leaders don't like what people are hearing about John the Baptist, and they want to shut him up. So they send this delegation on a long journey to go meet with John the Baptist and ask him some really hard questions in public, probably trying to discredit him. So notice what the Bible says. He didn't deny it, but he confessed. I'm not the Messiah. What then, they asked him, are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? And here's John's testimony. Here's his epic testimony. He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Just as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked him, why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? Listen to John's answer. I baptize with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you. He's already in your midst, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to untie. All of this happened, very important note here, footnote in this story. All of this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. There's three parts to an epic story. It always has a beginning, it always has a middle, and it always has an end. And when I talk today, I'm going to use the word way a lot. This is a Bible word. In fact, every time you see the word way, I want you to substitute in your mind Jesus. In fact, we'll just do it the first time. Just humor me on this, will you? And in your living room or in this room, when I say the word way, you say out loud Jesus. Step one of an epic testimony is to know the way. Good job. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. 
there's a guy who's a Pharisee who is doing everything that he can to stamp out Christianity before it spreads. His name is Saul. He goes to a city called Damascus, and he, according to Acts chapter 9, is sent to Damascus to kill the people, this is what the Bible says, of the way. These men and women who called themselves followers of the way. Now, for those of you who are familiar with your Bible, you know exactly what this is a reference to. It's talking about later on in the book of John, John chapter 14, verse 6, when Jesus says, hey, I am, notice the verb tense, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the Father, or I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The earliest Christians didn't call themselves Christians for decades. They called themselves followers of the way. And step one of an epic testimony is to know Jesus, to know the way. And the kind of knowledge that we're talking about here, John is very clear about today. It is intimate knowledge. It's the kind of knowledge where you not just read about this brother in a book, but you have met him personally and he has radically changed your life. John the Baptist testimony is so groundbreaking. People go on a, check this out, y'all, four to five day journey on foot. These priests and Levites that are being sent from Jerusalem are being sent halfway across the nation of Israel to this little tiny town called Bethany on the border of the Jordan River. I'll show you where it is on a map. It's more than 200 kilometers, about 100 miles on foot. These priests and Levites are going to walk from Jerusalem in the south to Bethany in the north, and they have some questions to ask John. Now, they're being sent there by the Pharisees, And y'all, if you've ever been on a long walk, I've been on plenty of long walks in my life. You know what people start to do when the walk starts to get long and hot in the desert? They start to complain. Can you imagine the complaining on day two, three, and four when they're not even close to Bethany yet? And they're saying, why do we have to go on foot to go talk to this brother named John the Baptist? What is this guy doing that is so severe that you would send us on this far of a journey? Because apparently, John is stirring the waters and making a splash that's so big that people all over Israel are hearing about John the Baptist. And they're going to see him, and their lives are being radically changed. So when these priests and Levites show up, they just simply ask them a question. And they ask them, why are you here? But what sends them there in the first place is John's epic testimony. There is something about this brother that is so incredible that people from all over the region would come to hear his message, and his message is very obviously pointing people to Jesus. They're going to make this four or five day journey, and they're going to do it on foot because John knows something And the Bible makes it absolutely clear. These priests, these Levites, many of the Pharisees don't know who John knows. They don't know what John knows. Look, if you ever ever did this, uh, if you and a friend were ever going somewhere um, to a party or to an event together, 
and neither one of you knew exactly where you were going. You ever have a friend that called you to try to get some directions for you? Now I'm talking like back in the day before there was smartphones, or maybe this is a friend who doesn't own a smartphone, so can't use Google Maps or Apple Maps. They don't have a GPS, so now they're trying to get directions from you without any kind of turn-by-turn navigation. I don't know if that person even still exists. If you can drive, I don't know how you could do that anymore, but there used to be a day when people had to use a map or had to follow somebody else's directions. I want you to just picture yourself in this scenario for a second. You're trying to give your friend directions to something that you've seen on the map, but you've never been there yourself. And you're going to give him kind of the, hey, the map says we're supposed to, you're supposed to go here and stop there and turn here and then arrive there. Those directions, think about it for just a second with me, are going to sound very, very different than if you're giving your friend this crazy friend that doesn't own a map, doesn't own a smartphone, doesn't have a GPS. I don't even know how that's possible. But you're giving him directions to your house. Do you know why these directions are going to go sound, sound so radically different? Because you've made the drive to your house over and over and over again. I don't need to look at a map. I don't need to open up a, a mapping app on my phone. I know exactly how to get there. I know exactly how to tell you to get there. I can tell you every turn every straight line. I can tell you every bit of the directions because I've been there so many times that I know it backwards and forwards. It's not something that I read in a book. I know it firsthand. And when I talk about knowing the way, step one of an epic testimony is knowing firsthand who you're talking about, knowing Jesus firsthand. You see, when we share our testimony, it's not somebody who read about Jesus in a book called the Bible. It's somebody who has met him personally. And when I talk about him, and this is how I can tell usually when I'm talking to a Christian, they use first-person pronouns. They talk about him with the name or with the word my, my Savior, my Lord, instead of somebody that I heard about in a Bible class, somebody that I read about in a book. John the Baptist is speaking. Think about how shocking, how offensive this would have been to some of the most religious people in the land when they showed up and asked him some questions. And what John said is, I know him. In fact, we're cousins. That'll come up later. We're cousins. But it's not because we're cousins that I know him. I know him because that man changed me. You don't know him. Even though he's in your midst, you don't know who I'm talking about, but I know him. And John is not talking about Jesus hiding. John is talking about firsthand intimate knowledge. The step, the first step, the, the kind of can't go past step one is personally knowing the one who you're talking about. There are plenty of idiots on social media that speak about something they don't know. There are very few people who can talk with personal expertise. And in John's case, he's saying, I know what I'm talking about. I know him personally. Step one is to know the way. Step two is pretty obvious, right? Not just know the way, but point the way. You see, what John says next is, look, I'm just giving you my testimony. And my testimony is to point to the one who is coming after me. I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness, and I'm pointing to the one who is the Son of God, 
the one who we've been waiting for for thousands of years. Now, there's more than one person, just want to make sure that you know this, that have been pointing the way to this moment in history. In fact, a couple of them show up in John chapter 1. There's, of course, John the Baptist, who Jesus calls in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, the greatest man who's ever walked on planet earth, born of a woman. Greater than David, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham. Nobody fits in the same category with John the Baptist. There's John the Baptist. There's Elijah. There's the prophets. If you've read the Old Testament, you know when you get to the book of Malachi, even Malachi himself is pointing to the one who's coming next. Thousands of years of prophecy have been pointing to this moment. And now John's job is to just simply point the way to Jesus. And you guys from elementary school, you remember the answer to this science question. What is the shortest distance between two fixed points? Yeah, it's a straight line. Did you notice what John is saying? I'm just making a straight line. I'm pointing people to Jesus, and I'm making the line as straight as I can so that it's not confusing, so that as many people as possible can see the one that I'm pointing to. I am not pointing to myself. I'm pointing to the one who everyone needs to know. John is just simply trying to get people's attention so that they will focus on Jesus, not on him. This official visit, these, this entourage that shows up, they have the power and the authority, legally speaking, to try to shut John down. And John has nothing to do with it. John just wants them to know. In fact, he changes the subject on him and wants them to know, I'm not here talking about me. I'm here to talk about the one that's coming after me. The one who is before me, even though I started preaching first, this brother existed before me because, frankly, he was around before everything that was created existed. John's just trying to make a straight line and point as many people as possible to Jesus. I used to teach land navigation to rangers as they were getting ready to serve in the ranger regiment, getting ready to go to combat. There's two parts of land navigation. You may call it orienteering. One is to teach them how to read a map. It's pretty easy. There's principles. There's a legend. There's a few things that you need to know, but it's pretty easy to teach somebody how to read a map. The second is not nearly as easy. The second is how to read the terrain. So we would send guys out all day, all night, for multiple days through some pretty ugly terrain and tell them, here's where you are on the map. Here's where you're supposed to go. I need you to be able to navigate over land or orienteer to this next point on the ground. And inevitably, some of them, a lot of them, would get turned around, get turned backwards, get confused, and have no idea where they are. Teaching somebody to navigate over terrain, how to read terrain, you really have to do with them. You can't do it reading a book. You kind of got to stand there and teach them, this is what you're seeing. And I used to tell rangers this. I think it's important. You guys uh, maybe would benefit from this. I would tell them, don't ever trust the man-made features. Don't ever trust roads. Don't ever trust bridges. Don't ever trust trails. They're right there on their map. And look at right here. They're right in front of your face. They're really easy to see, but they change. 
And sometimes the road that you're looking at is not the road that you think it is on the map. Instead of trusting man-made features, trust only in God-made features. I'm talking about mountains and rivers and valleys and ridges. Those things don't change over time. In fact, those things have been around for since the beginning of creation, and they'll probably still be here long after you're dead and gone. So if you want to be sure you know where you are and you know where you're going, trust the stuff that God made, not the stuff that we made. I'm telling you this, because when we start to point the way, it's easy to start to focus on us and start to focus the story on us. We tend sometimes to make ourselves the center of Christianity, the center of the story. That's not what John does. They show up and they start asking John about John and he doesn't answer them about John. John starts to ask, answer them about Jesus. So you know the way and then you point the way and you let people know, hey, I'm here to tell you who Jesus is and I'm here to tell you what Jesus did for me because Christianity is not about me. Christianity is about Jesus Christ. Look, the reason why some people really struggle, I really believe they have some spiritual problems here. The reason why they struggle to share their story is because they are the center of their story. And it may feel a little bit embarrassing to tell that story. It may feel a little bit scary to tell that story because the story is all about you. When you start pointing the story to Jesus, the one who saved me, now, I'm just reporting the news. I'm telling you what happened, and I'm telling it to you in such a way that you should be able to, ben to benefit from the story as well. Because what he did for me, he can do for you also. Step one, know the way. Step two, point the way. Step three is probably the most important thing you're going to hear from me today. And you're going to hear this directly from John the Baptist. Step three is to get out of the way. And when I say get out of the way, I mean point the attention to Jesus and then let the Holy Spirit step in and do what the Holy Spirit does next. Because John the Baptist, his, his life is in danger when these guys show up. And they start to ask him some questions. And I don't think these are friendly questions. And they're basically placing him on the carpet and saying, we better get the answers that we want from you because if not, we have the authority to kill you. Why are you baptizing in the desert? Why are so many people from all over Israel coming to listen to you? And John doesn't back down one bit. He's not hiding, but he is humble. And he does not take the credit for what he says next. When this crowd shows up, he stands among them and he says, I'm not the one you're looking for, but he's in your midst. And by the way, he is so awesome that I'm not even worthy to bend down and untie his sandals. In John's day, a teacher, a rabbi, didn't really get a paycheck for teaching for their job. They got disciples. And the disciples kind of followed them around, and the disciples helped the rabbi. The help was the way that they paid their teacher back for teaching them. Well, John has some disciples. John the Baptist does. Jesus has some disciples. We're going to read about them soon. And a rabbi had the authority to ask his disciples to do basically anything that he wanted them to do. There was no task that was off limits, wait, except for his feet. You see, 
walking in sandals in the desert, your feet gets nasty real fast. And the, the rabbi could ask his disciples to help him with anything, do anything for him. But what the rabbi couldn't do is to ask his disciples to help him with his sandals, wash his feet. That was a job for the lowest slave in the land. Did you hear what John the Baptist, who Jesus calls the greatest man born of a woman to ever live, did you hear what John the Baptist said about Jesus? He said, y'all have come listening to me, looking to me, asking questions of me. I'll tell you, I'm not the one that you need to look at. I'm not the one that you need to listen to. The one that you need to listen to, he's already in your midst. And by the way, I just want to make sure you understand something. I'm not even worthy of bending down and untying that man's sandals. I am not even worthy of being treated like the lowest slave to that man. That's how much more he is above me. That's how much greater he is than I am. John is doing everything he can to get out of the way. Y'all, would you lean in for just a second and hear what I'm going to say next? When you share your testimony and you start to tell people about Jesus, treat it like a 100-meter sprint. Get to Jesus as fast as you can and spend as much time as you can talking about Jesus, which means spend the least amount of time possible talking about you, the most amount of time possible talking about Jesus. That's exactly what John does. John says, look, I know you're here to ask me some questions. I get it. I'll answer your questions, but you're not here looking for me. I'll tell you the one that you need to look to. And then John gets out of the way, and he points all of the attention to Jesus because John knows, humanly speaking, I have no power to influence you. I cannot change your life. But if the Holy Spirit steps in and rolls up his sleeves and he takes my testimony and he applies it to your heart, I believe he will do a miracle. And now I'm talking specifically about that person in the room who has worked on your testimony and you have been trained on how to share it, but, you, but you're a little bit scared about the conversation, a little bit scared about saying it for the first time. I just need you to hear something from me. You got nothing to be afraid of because you have the Holy Spirit of the living God who takes your words and he applies it to another person's heart in whatever way he chooses to apply it. You have nothing to worry about when you share your story as long as the Holy Spirit is in the midst. So just treat it like a 100-meter sprint and run to Jesus as fast as you can in that story and make as much time as possible all about Jesus and how he saved you. And how he can do the exact same thing for the person that you're talking to. I'll wrap up with this. R.A. Torrey, famous preacher, told a story about some missionary kids. They're actually young adults, college students who left America and went on a mission trip to the Pacific Islands. Now these guys were kind of hopping from island to island and they were helping out just doing whatever they could to try to make life better for the people that they were ministering to and the salty old trip leader the guy who was leading this trip for these college students had been on mission trips time and time again and frankly it was just a lot of work with no real results so this salty old trip leader kind of had very low expectations for the trip. And as a result, like any leader with a bad attitude, his attitude started to affect the guys on this trip. 
They go to one island, they roll up their sleeves, they serve, but not a whole lot happens that will make an eternal difference. Yeah, made people's lives a little bit better, but it's not going to really make an eternal difference. They go to another island, though, and this island's different because when they get there, they start to serve, they roll up their sleeves, and the local missionary on this island says, hey, we're going to do one of those old school tent meetings, and we're going to ask people from all over the island to just show up in this tent. Would you guys, college students, help us run this meeting tonight? And what those guys saw that night blew them away. They saw some of the worst sinners on the island, some of the people that were most hostile to Jesus and to the gospel come to that tent meeting, not just come to the tent meeting, but hear the preacher, a guy by the name of Henry Monroe, simply preach a very clear testimony of who Jesus is and what he can do for you. And then many Many islanders got up and walked forward and said, if he can do that for you, can he do it for me too? Because I need what you're talking about. Ari Tori says, the next day, the Saltfield mission leaders never seen anything like this before. It blew his mind. And so he went to Henry Monroe, this local missionary that was running the mission efforts on this island. And he said, what did you do last night? Because I've been on these things time and time again. I've been to islands. I've been all over the place. And I have never seen before what I saw last night. How did you do this? What's the secret sauce? What's the recipe that you did that made last night possible? True story. R.A. Torrey says, here's Henry Monroe's answer. He says, I was pleased or it pleased the Holy Spirit while I was talking to shine on the face of Jesus. And when sinners saw him, they flocked to Jesus immediately. In other words, I simply knew the way, I pointed the way, and then I got out of the way and I let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. And what you saw last night was completely and totally the results of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, friends. When you share your story, it's not on your shoulders. It's totally up to the Holy Spirit to take your words and to shine on the face of Jesus because of what you're saying and maybe radically change somebody's life just because you had the courage to say it. I'm going to ask you, everybody that's connected with Two Cities Church, would you share your story in a very simple way? Would you just simply... No, with personal firsthand experience. I didn't read about him in a book. I met him personally, and Jesus radically changed me. Would you make a straight line to Jesus? Just point as straight as you can to him and rush to him in your story like a 100-meter dash and then get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does next. This week, I was reading about the 100 greatest movies of all time unanimously agreed upon by both critics and moviegoers. And I often thought, to, or I was thinking to myself as I was preparing for this sermon this week, what would happen if the actors and the directors and the producers made the movie Citizen Kane? What would happen if they made the movie Godfather or they produced the movie Singing in the Rain? 
And then they locked it in the vault and never told anybody, never showed anybody. Nobody ever got a chance to see that story. What would it be like if no audience ever got a chance to sit before the big screen, like in COVID, and see those epic movies? When you and I share our story, we're just putting it out there on the big screen for everybody in the world to see and trusting the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do next and change somebody's soul with it. As a church, we, we try to give you more than just hear the Bible, let it go in one ear and out the other. We try to give you a, a few action steps or some next steps to do. So I'm going to put them on the, screen, on the screen for you right now. One is for somebody watching this broadcast right now who doesn't know Jesus personally. You would be in that crowd that John the Baptist is talking about when he says he's in your midst, but you don't know him. In just a second, I'm going to challenge you to step across the line of faith and to trust with everything that you've got the one who left heaven and came to earth to rescue you. In fact, I'm just going to pray for you in a second, and I'm going to invite you, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, to surrender your soul to the one who can radically and totally change you. But for those of you who know him, I'm going to ask you to do the next thing that's on the screens. Do you see the word do in that second item on the screens? I'm not, on, I'm not asking you just simply to know what step three of our basic training process is. I'm asking you, would you do it? In other words, those of you who were with us just a few weeks ago when we went through our 2021 O-N-E, finding one person to share your testimony with in 2021, would you do that this week? With that one person that the Holy Spirit has already placed on your heart to talk to. I'm going to invite you to bow. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for me. I'm going to ask you to respond to what you're hearing from the Bible right now. Father, I pray for myself. I pray for all of my brothers and sisters who are watching this broadcast right now. God, would you start to work in their hearts? Father, maybe somebody is watching this and they're not a Christian, and today is the day that they need to sit down and say, Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you come and move in power in my heart right now? Would you come into my hotel room? Would you come into my living room? Would you come into my heart? And would you do something for me that I can't do for myself? Would you change me? And I mean change me from the inside out. Maybe they're sitting there and they're saying, God, I'm a sinner. And I've made some big mistakes in my life. And I can't make those mistakes go away. So I'm coming to you with my faults and my mistakes and my failures. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to change me. God, would you honor that prayer? Would you cause your son, Jesus, to radically and totally change them in such a way, the Bible describes it, that the old man, the old woman is gone away. And behold, everything is new because you've made it new from the inside out. And Father, if somebody's making that kind of commitment right now, if they're really sincere about it, God, would you give us the privilege of knowing about it, helping them to understand what to do next as we kind of teach them what it looks like to now walk in the footsteps of the master and to become his disciple. God, I also pray for Christians. Some of them are really intimidated about sharing their story. 
Father, it's my prayer that today this has taken some of that fear away, some of the uh, anxiety about telling my story, and they'll just remember my job is to know the way, point the way to Jesus, and then get out of the way and let your Holy Spirit do what he does next. Father, would you cause me, would you cause others to do this this week? Maybe it's the first time they've done it in a long, long time. Maybe the first time ever. Would you cause somebody to share their story this week? And would you take what they they say next and would you use it for your glory and make an eternal impact in somebody's life with it? I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.